Well, what's up, Northside family? Great to see you all. It's always fun for me to get, get to be here with you guys. I want to welcome all of you that might be joining us online as well. I can't tell you how excited I get when I look at my calendar. And I see Northside on my calendar. It's just fun to come be with you guys. And I get to come back in about 10 days, do an event called Finishing Well. I think that's what it's called, Finishing Strong or Come Before You Die, something like that. <laughs> Uh, it's, all, it's on a Tuesday night. It's going to be so much fun, and uh, that's in about 10 days or so. And then I get to be back in September on a weekend, so I, I, I just love get, getting to come here. Hope you had a great summer. Uh, we just got back off of our uh, quote-unquote vacation. It's a trip. We're 33 of us in the same house. Uh, we, we, uh, we had 15 adults and 18 kids, and, and most of the kids are under 10. It's, it is nonstop energy, snacking, running, games. It's, it's unbelievable. It is so much fun, but I need a vacation. <laughs> so y'all back to school, right? Y'all started back to school already? Well, you know what that means. That means back to school means back to practice and back to schedules and back to drop-offs and pickups and back to distraction and back to noise and back to the pace. So I thought, that before we just jump right back into the same old thing with the same old noise and the same old pace, that we ought to spend a little time this weekend talking about a very real thing that's even been clinically labeled as hurry sickness. Think you might have it? Let, let, me, let me just throw out some symptoms and you can self-diagnose. Here we go. Are you in a constant state of worry and stress? Do you live like everything is urgent. Are you always available? You got to take every call. You got to answer every text immediately. You can't live without your phone. You can't live without your watch or your watch phone thing. Do you just hate, hate wasting time, even when you should be? Do you find it hard to relax? Do you just hate waiting in line? Whether it's traffic or airport security or the grocery store, do you play that game where if I were that person that got in that line the same time I got in this line, I would be beating myself, right? You play that game? Does your family eat most meals in the minivan? In the parking lot of a sports complex? Do you walk super fast wherever you go? Do you talk super fast, dominating conversations? Do you drive super fast? When there's a big flashing yellow arrow saying merge ahead, are you the guy that passes by everybody and then cuts in at the last moment? Don't be that guy. <laughs> but it seems like we're moving at the speed of life and we just can't keep up. And a whole lot of us, we can't shut it down. Even when we try to rest at night, all the noise still clutters our mind. Our body may lie down but our mind doesn't rest. There was a guy named Solomon who wrote a journal in the Old Testament part of the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And I think he totally nails our culture thousands of years ago when he said this. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It's all meaningless. I mean, honestly, how many of you are like running 100 miles an hour and the decibel level is cranked up over 100 as well? I mean, the noise and the pace is honestly doing a number on your soul. I mean, you may even be with your family cuddled up on the couch and you still just can't shut it down. Your mind is just filled with all the noise of like cable news and social media posts and endless to-do lists and your soul rarely finds deep rest. Man, I've been there. 
Let me just give you three quick observations. I probably don't need to tell you these things, but when you and I live this way, first thing we do, we miss out. We miss out on so much. Moving at the speed of life, I know that I have missed out on way too many moments in my life. I love this little simple verse of scripture that's tucked into the Christmas story. This one often gets overlooked. It's in Luke 2, 19. It simply says this, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I love that. She was not going to miss this moment. She wasn't stressing out about the less than perfect circumstances they were in. She wasn't thinking about what their next move was going to be for their future. She just treasured. She just pondered and she soaked in the moment. And I got to tell you, that is so good for our soul. And when I do that, I always ask myself, why don't I do this more often? And the answer usually comes back because you're moving way too fast. John Mark Comer graphically puts it this way. He says, hurry is violence on the soul. It just is. That's been my experience. It is a soul killer. And it's a family wrecker. I mean, families can get so overscheduled, can't we? We get moving so fast, doing so many activities. And the kids that are constantly being shuttled to adult-planned, adult-driven, highly-structured activities can miss out on just being a kid. You know, I've coached kids most of my life. And honestly, to a lot of kids, playing organized sports doesn't feel much like playing, especially at a very young age. Structure and fun, they just feel like polar opposites. And you know who structure appeals to, right? Yeah, the parents. My preschoolers not wasting time. They're being productive. They're learning the skill. How else are they going to get a scholarship 14 years from now? How else are we going to keep up with all the other kids? I think Solomon, again, nailed our culture when he wrote this in Ecclesiastes. Then I observed that most people are motivated to success by their envy of their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. We reason if everybody else is running fast and everybody else is getting ahead, if they got it, if their kids are in it, then we have to have it, we have to do it, and we got to be in it too. And so driven by this unhealthy competitive spirit, we move at this noisy speed of life and kids can get turned into high achievers and not allowed space to just be kids. Plus, this is a big deal, they miss out on stuff that really matters. I love what Søren Kierkegaard once said, the press of busyness is like a charm. Its power swells. It reaches out seeking always to lay hold of ever younger victims so that childhood or youth are scarcely allowed the quiet and retirement in which the eternal may unfold the divine growth. He's just saying that families, especially kids, can get moving so fast that they miss out on hearing the still small voice of God. They never get a chance to encounter the eternal. Oh, they might learn a skill. They might stimulate their intellect. They may train their body, even nab a scholarship, but they never get a chance to develop their soul. It's also been my experience that moving at the speed of life, not only do we miss out, we also pass by. 
We pass by, we get moving so fast and so loud that we can't hear from God and we don't see the opportunities and places all around us he's putting in front of us to do good. And if we do see him, it's like way off in our, our peripheral vision along with a million other things. We get moving so fast that our time becomes so much more important than people. I'll never forget a moment several years ago when God just convicted me about my personal hurry sickness. I was in a big hurry due to my own procrastination. I was late for a meeting and I became that guy in traffic, swerving lane to lane, trying to get to the right spot. I, I, was, I, I, was, I was super stressed out. And all of a sudden traffic came to a complete stop for a long, long, long funeral procession. And my first reaction was, oh, this is unbelievable. This is gonna take forever. And within seconds, I felt the Holy Spirit speak deep to deep, saying, bro, are you kidding me? This, this pro pro procession can't go slow enough for the people grieving on the way to the cemetery. And you're stressing out about your meeting? And I just felt so convicted, sat there in traffic and just prayed for that long procession of people coming by. And then once it stopped, I drove the speed limit all the way, just knowing it's okay. I was going to be late for my meeting. John Orberg writes about how his friend Dallas Willard spoke into his life about hurry sickness. He said this, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Let me read that again. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. This doesn't mean that we'll never be busy. Jesus often had a lot to do, but he never did it in a way that severed the life-giving connection between him and his father. He never did it in a way that interfered with his ability to give love when love was called for. He never did it in a way that caused him to treat someone as an interruption. Jesus was often busy, but never hurried. You see, the problem with hurry is that hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. And when you have a disordered heart, you have a diminished capacity to love because love and hurry are simply incompatible. Love always takes time. And time is just one thing hurry sick people don't have. So moving at the speed of life, we miss out, we pass by and eventually we crash into. I mean, by now there's no secret that research shows that the number one killer of Americans is stress. It fuels all kinds of physical and emotional breakdowns. So let me ask you, how are you sleeping these days? I recently heard that the number one physical predictor of happiness is the right amount of sleep. Perhaps that explains why there's a lot of grumpy people in our country. Because about half of the adult Americans cannot fall asleep at night. 49% suffer from some sort of sleep-related problem. One in six Americans suffer from chronic insomnia. I like what my buddy Randy Frazee writes in his book, Making Room for Life. He says, we can't solve the problem by purchasing the latest mattress used by NASA, goose feathered pillows, silk sheets, down comforters, and mahogany poster beds. In the end, the problem is the way we live our lives when we're awake. So what do we need to do? How can we cure our hurry sickness, find rest for our soul, and start hearing from God and then flourish in the way that he wants us to. Instead of missing out, passing by and crashing into, the first thing we gotta do, we gotta pull over. 
we got to pull over. I almost wrote, instead of pull over, slow down. But from my own experience, I know it's got to be more radical than that. When the noise is clamoring and the pace is accelerating, you just can't gear it down a little bit. You've got to pull over and stop. Now, I know that sometimes circumstances we can't control increase the complexity of our life. And where we live can accentuate the pace. But generally, pace is what you make it. Based on the decisions that you make, you can pack up and move your body to a brand new slower location. Guess what? Your hurried soul's coming with you. Fastest I ever ran wasn't in a big city like LA, wasn't in a big city even like Louisville. I was living in a sleepy little town in central Kentucky of less than 8,000 people in the whole county. I was at a rapidly growing church though, and I had a young family, and I was saying yes to way too many things. I was always available. I had to pedal down trying to help everybody, reach everybody, lead everybody, please everybody. My pace was out of control and my soul was getting jacked up. You see, your pace doesn't have as much to do with your external environment as it does with your internal environment because pace flows from a restless soul. So where do you find rest for your soul? Now, what I'm going to tell you, I know it's going to sound like, you know, like a preacher answer, but I want you to know from my own experience as an ordinary guy who suffered from hurry sickness, there's only one place you're going to find rest for your soul, and that is in God alone. David put it this way in Psalm 62, verse 1, he said, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will never be shaken. He's saying, my anxious, shaky, can't shut it down, restless soul only finds rest in the unshakable God. See, we get thinking sometimes, man, I, I hear you. If I, if, if I could just experience that, if I could just go there, maybe if I could like spend a month at a tropical paradise and get a massage every day. Then maybe I'll be able to rest and just shut it down. Listen, I'm learning that there is no experience. There is no dream vacation, no dream vacation, no, no dream home, no amount of money. There is no thing outside of God that can bring the kind of rest that your soul craves. My soul finds rest in him alone. I love the way St. Augustine said it in his famous prayer. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Saying, God, you are our creator. You made us. You know us inside out. You know our soul, the real us, because you breathe life into us. And you know it's restless until we find our rest in you. In this high-tech, 5G, microwavable culture, you and I can get addicted to a hurry pace, can't we? I was reading an article about how so many people, literally these days, cannot live without their phone. I mean, just cannot do it. I mean, we got to check what's happening on Snapchat or what's what, what that latest post on Instagram or Facebook. We got we to see that latest tweet and, and who liked it. We can literally be slaves to pace and stress and worry. And then we say, yeah, but you know, come on, man. That's just the way it is in our culture. Well, the apostle Paul says this to a bunch of Jesus followers who were living in a very loud and fast, hurry sick culture. He said, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the pace of this world determine your pace. 
Let the Holy Spirit who wants to develop all kinds of great soulish things in you like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, let him set your pace. Let him help you make your schedule. Ask him to help you prioritize your your to-do list. If you do that, he will remind you throughout the day to relax in the truth of who God is, to relax in the truth of who you are, a much-loved man, a much-loved woman who is already accepted, already secure, and already significant, so you won't run so hard and so fast trying to prove yourself. I'm telling you, you got to get really intentional about this. you got to pull over, shut off the motor, shut off the noise, and ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So I'd suggest you take a day very soon. Take a sick day if you need to. Because the truth is, if you can't shut it down, you are clinically sick. So just call in. I got a sick day. Turn down the noise. Turn off the cell phone. Be unavailable for the entire day. Shut off your laptop. Don't check email. Fast from social media. Fast from noise. Fast from fast food and drive-thrus. Withdraw, withdraw from the usual barrage of activity and information. Turn off the TV. Take off your watch. And just breathe deeply. Pray. Meditate, listen, get by yourself because solitude is primarily about not doing something. That's your homework assignment. Block out some time really, really soon. Arrange a whole day around just listening to God. And if you do, you'll hear the lover of your soul say, pull over, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So you pull over, and then the second thing you got to do, you got to pop the hood. You pull over and pop the hood. Because truth is, as much as we complain about it, there's something about it that makes us drawn to hurry. It makes us feel like somebody, doesn't it? If we're busy, we feel important, and it keeps the adrenaline pumping. But if you and I are going to live with a healthy soul, we have to examine the reality of our life, and as they say in recovery, with fearless honesty. You have to take a fearless moral inventory. You have to pull over, pop the hood, come to God in the quiet and say, search me, O God. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. You pull over, you pop the hood of your life. You say, God, you are the master mechanic. I need you to hook me up to your supernatural, all-seeing, all-knowing diagnostic machine. I need you to troubleshoot my soul. God, would you take me to the root of my hurry sickness? Does it find its roots in my pride? Does it find its roots in insecurity? Is it envy? Is it discontentment? Is it fear? Is it some childhood thing? What's what's making me idle so fast? What's contributing to all the noise in my head? What what, what am I chasing? What am I running from and why? Is all this extra stuff I'm accumulating really making my life better? Why is my body running so rough? Why is my mind constantly racing? Why does my soul feel so empty? God, why can't I sleep? Why can't I say no? Am I addicted to approval? Why do I overschedule my kids? Please show me what it's doing to our family. What is fueling this competitive drive to always be first? What part does procrastination and clutter play in overwhelming me? 
What part does perfectionism play in my procrastination? And why am I a perfectionist? Why do I work so hard to be accepted when I already am? Why do I work so hard to be somebody when I already am? When Jesus says, come to me, why don't I? You got to pull over, pop the hood, and take an honest look inside saying, search me, oh God, and diagnose my anxious thoughts. It's even very helpful to get a trusted friend, get in a group like Annie was talking about, or even get to a Christian counselor, get them under the hood with you. But if you want to stop missing out and passing by, you got to pull over and pop the hood. Then the last thing you got to do, you got to change lanes. You got to change lanes. I got a buddy in Kentucky always tells me, you know what, bro? If nothing changes, nothing changes. Dang, that is smart, man. That really, that's really profound. Think about that. Because you and I can sit here and we can think, maybe even feel a little conviction today. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I probably do suffer from hurry sickness. My life is so loud. I I just can't hear from God. And you know, I, I, I might need to make some of these changes. And then we walk out of here, crank up the noise and go right back to the same breakneck pace. And we never really pull over. We never really get around to making the time to pop the hood and get God involved. So we just continue to live with a frazzled mind and a restless soul. And by now, you know the definition from AA of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. So if we're going to flourish the way God wants us to, we have to start doing some things differently. If nothing changes, nothing changes. You have to change lanes. You got to get real intentional about this. Remember, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Maybe you could just start with, a, with some small things. Here's, here's some few things I've been personally doing in my own life. I've been slowing down <clears throat> early in the morning and just drinking from God's word before I jump into my to-do list for the day. I've been trying, this is hard, been trying to let other people go in front of me in line. I've been parking further away when I go to the store instead of battling somebody for that closest spot. And plus I get my steps in. Instead of racing people to the door of a crowded restaurant, this is a hard one. I stop and hold the door for the people right behind me and let them walk in first and they get the table in front of me. It's hard, it's hard. I've been setting my cruise control at the speed limit. I know you can't do that everywhere, especially like on I-65, you'll get killed. But but there's this one road I take regularly. I set the cruise at the speed limit, not not one over, not one on, I set it at the speed limit. I got my window down, I got my hand out the window doing this thing, I got my radio on like a smooth jazz channel, and you're thinking, and you probably have your blinker on the entire time, you old man. (laughs) I might, I I don't really know. I've been leaving earlier from the house so I don't get so stressed out. I fly almost every week of my life somewhere, so I've been getting to the airport earlier instead of like I used to run to the gate, just intentionally getting out of the fast lane and slowing down my soul so that I can hear from God. If you're new to Northside, there's a whole bunch of us reading through a book called Quest 52. And in our reading this week, it talks about a story that Jesus tells about different kinds of soil. Some of you read that this week. And I think it goes hand in hand with our pace of life 
and our ability to hear from God. Jesus talks about a farmer who goes out and sows some seeds. Some of the seed falls on a concrete path. Some of it falls on rocky soil. Some of it falls among the weeds. And some of it falls on good soil. And the seed represents the word of God. And the soils are all about our receptivity, our ability to hear the voice of God. And sometimes, honestly, we can be like concrete. We're flying so fast and we're so self-absorbed, we say, you know what, I don't have time to hear it. In fact, I don't want to hear it. Sometimes it's like that rocky soil where we go, okay, I I hear you. But we never really let it take root. And the seed that fell among the weeds describes us when we say, yes, Lord, yes, you're right. That's a good word for me. But then life comes along and schedules get packed and stuff starts glittering. And that good word that got planted gets choked out by all the running after everything but God. And then there's what Jesus calls good soil. The kind that is receptive to what God is saying, the kind that lets it take root, the kind that ends up producing big time fruit. Debbie and I got in a discussion one day about this. It was really kind of an aha moment for us. We started thinking like, you know, that, fruit, that list of the fruit of the spirit that I talked about, love, joy, peace, patience, that, that list right there, we, we got thinking, how come humility and gratitude aren't on that list? I mean, how come they didn't make the cut? Those are pretty big deals. How come humility and gratitude aren't on that list? Here's why. Because those are two things we can do on our own. Those are two things that we choose to do that prepares the soil so that God can grow things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control in us. And here's the way I wrote it down. Fruit grows in soil that's been cultivated by humility and fertilized with gratitude. Fruit grows in soil that's been cultivated by humility and fertilized by gratitude. Y'all ever heard of humus? Not hummus. Don't be dipping your pita chips in, in, uh, in humus. Here's the definition of humus. The dark organic matter, material in soils, produced by the decomposition of vegetable and or, let's call it animal matter, and essential to the fertility of the earth. So as all this old stuff decomposes, it fertilizes the soil. It improves water retention, allows nutrients to do their job. I mean, humus is super important for growth. And I think it's no coincidence that the word humus and the word humility come from the same root word. You see, true humility is about you and me dying to our selfish ambition. It's about you and me dying to our old me first, my schedule first kind of existence. And as our ego and self-centeredness begins to decompose, and then it gets mixed with gratitude, it provides the kind of rich soil that allows the Holy Spirit of God to start growing amazing things in us. This has been really, really big for me. And one of the ways I've been choosing in my life to change lanes and cultivate the soil of my heart so I can hear from God is building in time every day for gratitude. Just intentionally, every day of my life, just daily counting up what God has done and what God is doing. I mean, the band will tell you, counting matters. When you're a musician and you stop counting, you're totally lost. In fact, if one person in the band stops counting, the whole band is affected and the song loses its rhythm and its focus and its harmony. And when you and I fail to count our blessings, our life ends up losing the song. 
One of the ways this hurry sick guy started changing lanes, this kind of a practical thing that maybe, maybe you could practice. I started practicing gratitude. Like I needed a little structure because sometimes my mind goes all over the place. And so I started using the ABCs. And I would start with the letter A, and the first time through, I would just, I just do attributes of God. Whatever descriptor pops in my head, I just, I just say it out loud. So I may go almighty, beautiful, caring, uh, divine, eternal, friend, good, holy, infinite, what, whatever pops in my mind. And then I go back a second time, and I do things, just things in life that pop into my head. I may go apples, basketball, uh, cats, never cats, um, <laughs> corn, dogs, always dogs. Uh, I worked my way all the way through the alphabet. Now, I've got to be honest, I have, uh, I've, I've been thankful for xylophones and zebras a lot because that's about all. When you get to the end, there's not a whole lot to say. But then I, I added, about two years ago, I added a third, a third trip through. I go back to the beginning and then I just... Thank God for people that pop into my mind. It, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. It has been amazing. People I have not thought about in 30, 40 years pop into my mind. People I met in a store last week pop into my mind and just thanking God for the opportunity to have these people in my life. And it has been so good for me to slow down and just see what God has done. That's just a simple thing you can practice when you're laying in bed in the morning or laying in bed at night or you're driving your car, or you're on a walk, or you're walking on a treadmill or working out, whatever. You can just work through those ABCs. Just thank God. Count up your blessings. You ever been on one of those, uh, gra- uh, those uh, <clears throat> glass bottom boats, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe somewhere in Florida, off the coast of Mexico, maybe in the Caribbean. You get a crowd of people surrounding this viewing area of the boat. As the boat pulls away from the harbor, people start moving away from the viewing area because there's really nothing to see. The faster the boat goes, everything just becomes a blur and everything below the surface gets lost in the churning dark water. But then the captain pulls into a cove and he parks it next to like a coral reef, shuts off the engine, everything gets real still and the bottom of the boat turns into this magnificent world of underwater beauty. It was just a few feet away, just below the surface. But it wouldn't be visible if the boat kept ripping through the water at a rapid pace. The only way to drink in the underwater wonder is to slow down and come to a complete stop. Man, we're so good at skimming the surface, aren't we? We get going faster and faster and faster. We miss so much of what's right there below the surface. So I'm just trying to change lanes, slow down, notice, reflect, count, and give thanks every day of my life. When we lived in, many of you know we lived in Ventura, California for the past eight years. And I was sitting on the beach one day <clears throat> because I could. And uh, <laughs> I was just doing a gratitude list. Uh, It was kind of early, not early in the morning, but maybe nine o'clock in the morning, something like that. I'm sitting back on these sand dunes, got my beach chair there, got my laptop on my lap, and I'm just writing, doing one of those gratitude lists. Whatever popped in my head, I was just writing it down. And uh, as as I'm working on this gratitude list, I notice there's a a guy, a dad and a little boy down in the water. They're like the only ones on the beach, me and them. And 
I noticed that this dad would scoop up this little boy. He's probably three or four years old. He'd scoop him up. They would run into the water. He would shoulder a wave, and the wave would crash over them. The little boy would crack up laughing. He would laugh, and, and they'd run back to the shore, and they'd run back again, hit another wave. They were just having like a great time. And I felt like in the quiet of that moment, God spoke to my spirit and said, you see those guys? That's me and you. You have any idea how much I love you and want to be with you? You have any idea how many waves I've shouldered for you in your life? Yeah, that's, that's me and you. And I got all emotional sitting there going, wow, he's right. And then I felt the Holy Spirit speak deep to me going, go tell that guy. Uh, what? Uh, okay. So I get up out of my chair. <laughs> And I walk down to the water, and this, this dude is like, he's a big old ripped guy. He's, got, he's t- all tatted up and stuff. And I said, hey, man, uh, <clears throat> I, I don't want you to think I'm like creepy stalker guy sitting back here, but um, I, I just wanted to come and tell you, you are a great dad. He goes, well, thanks, dude. I said, yeah, again, again I don't mean to creep you out or anything. But I'm just sitting back here. I got a little thing I do where I'll just do gratitude lists and stuff. And I'm sitting back here thanking God for stuff. And God just kind of spoke to my spirit and said, that dad and that little boy are giving, me, giving you a picture of how much I love you. So, man, I just want to thank you for giving me that picture of how God loves you and me. Man, it was just, that's just been a moment for me today. So I just want to say thanks. And I look up and he's tearing up. I'm thinking, are we going to hug it out here on the beach? Because I don't, I don't know you. You don't know me. I said, I'm, I'm going to go back to my. He goes, thanks, man. That meant a lot to me. I went back to my chair. But all that happened because I just shut it down and started working on a gratitude list. Instead of getting so stressed out about all the stuff I had to do. Gang, God wants us to reduce the noise, slow the pace, and hear from him. He longs for us to be with him. To be good soil that's cultivated by humility and fertilized with gratitude. So as we jump back into our back to school, back to the grind, fall routine, here's an invitation from Jesus to all of us hurry sick people. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Maybe burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. What do you say we accept that invitation? Let's pray together. Father, so grateful for the way you want to be with us. Just the fact that I could even just utter the words, Father, still blows me away. So grateful that um, I'm one of your much-loved kids. In spite of the stuff I've done in my life, I'm so grateful. And Father, I just pray for everybody, because this hits all of us, God. We, we get so frazzled and get moving so fast, and we can't hear from you. And we want to hear from you. We know that life without you is just not life. So Father, I, I pray that What we've talked about today would land in good soil. That in humility we would say, you know what, God, you're right. And then in gratitude we would mix that in and 
we'd become this kind of soil where you can start growing some really good stuff. So God, I pray for everybody here, everybody watching online. I pray that that would be our experience this week. And I pray you'd remind us throughout the week to intentionally shut it down and ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Thank you for the help you're going to give us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys so much for being here this weekend. Hope you have a great week. See you next time.